the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's an honor. Today is Wednesday, February the 19th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today on February 19, 1945, 30,000 U.S. Marines began landing on Iwo Jima. They would seize control of the island from the Japanese forces, which was a major component in winning the war. Today in 1803, Congress voted to accept Ohio's borders and their constitution. Today in 1807, former Vice President Aaron Burr, he'd been accused of treason. He was arrested in Mississippi Territory, which is present-day Alabama. He was later acquitted at a trial. Today in 1878, Thomas Edison received a U.S. patent for, quote, an improvement in phonograph and speaking machines. Today in 1942, during World War II, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed Executive Order 9066. That has become kind of a, a cry for activists and those seeking justice for Japanese uh, people. But Order 9066, it paved the way for the relocation and internment of people of Jap- Japanese an- ancestry, and it included U.S.-born citizens. Today in 1968, the children's program, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's created by and starred, of course, Fred Rogers. Made its network debut on National Education Television today in 1968. National Educational Television became PBS. That was a forerunner of what was to come in children's programming. Mr. Rogers was on 31 years. Amazing. Today in 2008, an alien Fidel Castro, he resigned the Cuban presidency after nearly a half a century in power. His brother Raul took over from Fidel and carried on. Tonight there's a debate, another one, with the Democrats who want to be president of the United States. Bernie Sanders is leading with Michael Bloomberg closing in on him. Joe Biden is not where he thought he would be at this point. He's not number one, not even number two in a number of the polls. But tonight they will square off in Las Vegas and they will go at each other, probably mostly focused on Michael Bloomberg. He spent over $400 million to get to this point. He says he'll spend a billion to be president of the United States. It's We've never seen anything like this in our country. I mean, it's never happened before. It threatens the very fabric of our structure, regardless of which side you're on, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. If you're a Democrat, I hope you're considering changing to a conservative position. But nonetheless, this is really an assault any way you look at it, at the way we do politics in America. I'll probably talk about that more in the future, but he this will be his first appearance with the other candidates on television. It'll be interesting, I'm sure, to say the least. I'm pretty sure they'll take 
the opportunity to take a few, more than a few shots at Bloomberg tonight. I might even watch a little bit of that. I normally do not follow what they're doing. But I can tell you one thing. Bernie Sanders is is burning. He was in Tacoma, as you know, the other, other day. I talked about it yesterday. But Bernie it has a support base in America because he is now wanting to succeed Raul only here in America and bring in yet another Castro-style socialistic culture. He is. Everything is free. What do you stand for, Bernie? Free. Everything is free. There's little to no detail as to how he'll pay for it. He knows he won't be able to accomplish that, but it sure excites the crowd. I guess that's sometimes what politics is all about, isn't it? I read this yesterday. I didn't mention it on the um, on the program, <clears throat> but I will today. The iconic Plymouth Rock, you know, that Plymouth Rock, Pilgrim Plymouth Rock, and other sites around it, there's a historic setting around that. They were covered in red graffiti Monday morning when people got up and were walking by or passing by. Vandalism spree. The Pilgrims set foot on America right there at that spot 400 years ago this year. Officials in Plymouth discovered the vandalism. They were immediately out there removing the red spray paint. They they didn't close the, the area there, the historic site. They say as of last night, they've made no arrests. They don't know who did it for sure. But the rock has come to symbolize to many Americans, myself included, the spot where William Bradford and the Mayflower Pilgrims disembarked. They found the Plymouth Colony there in December of 1620. It'll be 400 years ago this December. Police said the vandals targeted a number of other related items there in this place, but they said they don't know for sure if the graffiti incident was directed at the Founding Fathers or if it was more attached, more attached to the indigenous movement, United American Indians of New England. They hold a kind of a solemn remembrance there every day on Thanksgiving Day. I think I mentioned this, in fact, last Thanksgiving Day, just this past. Every day, every Thanksgiving Day since 1970, these guys organized there, the American Indians. They recall and they, they go through a recitation and they have demonstrations and all kinds of things. They recall what the organizers describe. And they go through this every year, as I said, the genocide of millions of native people, the theft of native lands, and the relentless assault on native culture. If you've listened to this program for any amount of time, you know that I grew up in the Yakima Valley. I grew up with a lot of indigenous people, except we didn't know that word back then. We just... There were Indians and whites and Filipinos and Japanese, and we just didn't pay that much attention, to be honest with you. I had friends from all stripes, and I don't know if they knew I was white or not. I guess they did. We just didn't. It wasn't a big deal. But it's become a big deal. So today we live with the consequences of all of this knowledge that we have now. We'll see how that plays out in Plymouth, but it's sad. 
it's sad, because there are those who do attack our founding fathers, and maybe that's what this was about, or maybe it was related to the indigenous Americans United or whatever. But nonetheless, it's a sad day when that happens, but it does. We live in such such a culture. Big story out about real estate today, and I'll just mention this in passing, but Spokane, Washington, for those of you outside the area, is among four metro areas in the nation. It's primed for growth. Everyone should, in Spokane should now stand and applaud. In the next decade, according to a Seattle-based real estate brokerage, Redfin, they've done a lot of research. They say Spokane, Las Vegas, Charlotte, North Carolina, and Orlando, Florida will be the most attractive metro areas for home buyers in the next decade because, they say, of affordability of land for new construction. And, and they say you have in these cities, Spokane and others, you have the amenities of a large city with no traffic problems. And while I speak, in my mind, I can just see people in line, in traffic, going through two or three stops before they get through the light on Division Street and say, what? Just get ready. Here they come. People are going to move to Spokane in mass. They have been for a number of years, and I'm aware of that. Today is the father of tomorrow. What we are today is the result of what we've been thinking and the way we've lived in the past. Those who act wisely today will have wisdom in the future to make wise decisions. The Lord gives principles of this in Scripture to serve as warnings and as an encouragement. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, the Bible says, Do not be deceived. <clears throat> Excuse me. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. Every farmer, as I said a moment ago, I grew up in the Yakima Valley. We've lived in the cities all of our life. Marjorie and me, we grew up together, known each other since we were kids, but we've lived in the cities, not in the Yakima Valley, since we got married. But every farmer understands that the meaning of this principle, we sow what we sow, more than we sow, and later than we sow. In other words, the, the harvest is not, it, it's disproportionate to the sowing. In other words, you plant a seed, you get several seeds. You plant, an, I mean, they don't actually plant the seed of an apple tree. I mean, I know the process, believe me, too well, <laughs> way too well. Too many <laughs> days working. In, anyway, you plant an apple tree, you plant a seed, and an apple tree grows, and it has lots of apples, and each apple has lots of seeds. That's what God's Word is talking about here. That's an immutable principle of nature. And nature's God created it all that way. And that applies to us in our own lives as well. And every farmer understands that. Farmers have been ridiculed by Mike Bloomberg lately. He, he says, how, how smart do you have to be to be a farmer? You probably have seen that in the news. He said, how smart do you have to be to be a farmer? He said, you take a seed. Literally, I'm quoting him. He said, you take a seed, you put it in a hole, you put dirt on it, boom. With all due respect to the $61 billion man, that's not the way it works. But anyway, in his mind, that's what he sees. 
But you understand the principle, all of you do, wherever you live, whether you're in the city or the country, you understand the principle of sowing and reaping. And the Bible, the Bible is pretty clear on that, not just on the farms and orchards and the agriculture, but in our own personal lives. And I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Early yesterday morning, the Boy Scouts of America filed for bankruptcy. In keeping with their motto, be prepared, they told the press they're preparing for lawsuits that may exceed a billion dollars. B, billion. Legal experts are saying that the filing was not because BSA doesn't have enough money. It's for another reason. USA Today is reporting that after 10 months, I'm quoting them, after 10 months of speculation and mounting civil litigation, the Chapter 11 filing by the scouting organization's national body was unprecedented in both scope and complexity. BSA told the press that they filed for bankruptcy protection in order to ensure, I'm quoting them, ensure equitable compensation for thousands of sexual abuse uh, victims who were harmed while participating in their programs and to ensure they can continue to carry out their mission for years to come. Well, their mission is a little clouded. Not sure what their mission is. Is it just to be inclusive? Is it to show that they're loving and tolerant and compassionate? If it is, they failed. Their mission at one time was to help boys. Now, I I don't know, and neither do others. Most of the newly surfacing cases date back, in fairness, to the 1960s, 70s, and 80s. BSA says they only had five known cases in 2018. They didn't address 2019 last year. But the number of cases on record is staggering. More than 12,000 Boy Scout members have been victims of childhood sexual abuse at the hands, according to their records, which they've kept secret till now, at the hands of 7,819 allegedly sexually abusive troop leaders or volunteers. 7,819 leaders have abused kids, boys. Man, these records have been... I don't know why they kept the records, to be honest with you, but they did. But they've been long held in secret. They've been locked up. Nobody had access to them. In fact, they're referred to as the perversion files. No one knows how many more victims will step forward and join the lawsuits, but the lawsuit is a maneuver to stop the number of filings and those joining these lawsuits. Formal filing listed liabilities of up to a billion dollars with assets of the Boy Scouts of America with assets of 10 billion or more. The filing revealed the matters to be addressed in the bankruptcy and they, I, I read over that pretty carefully, honestly. And they're obviously trying to protect their assets. They say to continue their mission, but they seem to have abandoned their mission. I'm just being honest with you. This, this is how I feel. You may not agree with me on that, but I know there's a history. I mean, 110 years. How many, how many grandfathers and and fathers and boys have gone through that? And 
I mean, they're proud of what they've accomplished. And there's Eagle Scouts all over the country. And they, I mean, it was not an easy task to achieve those things. And families have become, the Boy Scouts of America have become woven into the fabric of many families. Because the men in the family went through the program. That's the what makes it so very sad. It isn't a church, but it's almost as important as the cultural life of a church to many. Obviously, they're trying to limit their losses, but there's legal experts that are stepping up and they're saying, no, it's there's more to it than just the money. I mean, certainly money is a factor. Tim Kosnoff, he's a, um, a lawyer. In fact, he's one of a couple of lawyers from Seattle that are nationally recognized in these cases. He's tried thousands of child abuse cases. He told USA Today they're going into bankruptcy, not because they don't have the money. They're going into bankruptcy to hide. He said there is a, I'm quoting him, a Mount Everest in dirty secrets that have not yet been um, revealed. Many people are comparing this to the issues with the Catholic Church, but it's a little bit different than that because the Catholic bankruptcy cases in which there were more than 20 individual dioceses have filed for protection. The Boy Scouts case is going to play out nationally because they're trying to uh, protect, and, and at this point they are, the 261 local councils all around the country and their assets they're trying to remove that and, and put a firewall between the national organization and the Boy Scouts uh, locally, all of the 261 councils. That's probably a, a smart legal move to try to conserve uh, assets. But you see, you see a bit of, I mean, I know they're committed. I'm not questioning their integrity, but I kind of am. I know they're committed to carrying on their mission for years to come and all of that, but why haven't they done that when they had the opportunity? Why are they now committed? You see what I'm saying? They've made a series of bad decisions. The BSA leaders, they've apologized publicly. They said, we cared deeply about the victims. Why didn't they act on these over the years? I'm just asking. I mean, I'm a father. I have a boy, a son. Why didn't they act on these things? In a, in a statement, they say, BSA, the Boy Scouts say this, BSA cannot undo what happened to you, but we are committed to supporting you and in doing everything in our power to prevent it from happening to others. It's a social and moral responsibility that we take very seriously. Well, I'm sure they do take it seriously now, but where were they a few years ago? Where were they in the 60s and 70s and 80s? They weren't taking it seriously. That's the problem. They were sowing bad seeds. Now they're vowing that Boy Scouts of America will continue, quote, to carry out our mission for years to come. They were founded in 1910. BSA is composed of little less today than 2 million youth, under 2 million now. I mean, that's a lot, but compared to what they were, it isn't. Their members range between the ages of 5 and 21. At one time, they had five to six million members, not counting the volunteers, kids, boys. Now it's less than half that, and it's sinking like a rock. The Christian Post said yesterday, in recent years, however, BSA has courted controversy, lawsuits, 
and loss of membership for admitting openly gay scouts in 2013, then openly gay leaders in 2015, then including the participation of girls. There's nothing wrong with girls. I love girls. I have a wife who is a girl, a woman. I have daughters and granddaughters. But Boy Scouts wasn't about girls. It was about boys. But they, they were open to anything that might shore up the cash flow, in my mind at least. On January 1 of this year, the Mormon Church, the LDS Church, which had been very active in Boy Scouts for a hundred years, they followed through on their plan. They had talked about it last year, but they followed through as of January 1, just a couple of months ago. They pulled hundreds of thousands of Mormon youth out of Scouts in favor of their own youth program. That withdrawal caused an 18% drop in membership overnight. There is a new day of scouting. It's the result of these decisions, many evangelical churches have programs of their own and, and their families have put their kids in there, their boys, but a lot of them said we need something new. Trail Life USA is a boys' mentoring and discipleship movement. It's dedicated to reinforcing its commitment to providing a safe experience for boys from K through 12. They say our philosophy is derived from the Bible. It's set in the context of outdoor adventure. It's basically a mirror of what the Boy Scouts used to be. Now, I want to be up front. I don't have any connection to that. I know a lot of people. I've been around a while. But um, I don't think I know anybody that's involved with that. If I do, I don't know who they are. But I've researched them and I've followed them. And I know some of the people that support them. And it looks like a very good program to me. I would recommend the parents and grandparents take a look at that. I know it's tough to withdraw from the Boy Scouts. But I'm telling you, they're in free fall. I don't think they're going to recover from this. And I think that Trail Life USA is a great is a great um, alternative. If your church has a program for boys, that's great too. And many churches and denominations do. But... You need to take a look at this because there is, I don't think there's a future for the Boy Scouts of America. I think it's over for them. They're going to die slowly because they have $10 billion to keep feeding themselves. But I don't think, I don't think they're going to recover from this. So back to scripture. Do not be deceived. Paul wrote to the Galatians chapter six, verse seven through nine. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of, the fr- <clears throat> will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. I'd like to leave a couple of principles with you about sowing and reaping. Number one, this principle applies to everyone, both Christians and non-Christians. The principle is irrevocable. There's no escape, either for the believer or for the unbeliever. It's a law of life. God made it that way. As I said, I mean, you grow up on a farm, you get that real early. But did you notice how Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 begins? Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Herein lies the root cause of the careless and the indulgent lifestyle of many people, including corporately Boy Scouts of America. 
they have just got they got to the point where they assumed that all American families were going to support them and send them their children. And all of these sexual abuse cases were going on, and they knew it. And they did nothing about it because the end justified the means. And that is not what God teaches. That's what progressivism teaches. Don't mock God. To mock God is to turn up our nose at him. Or to feel that, well, I know there's a principle of sowing and reaping and all, but I think I can outwit that. That's foolish. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 reveals, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body. We're not, the judgment seat of Christ is not the eternal judgment of whether you're saved or not. The judgment seat of Christ has to do with the works in our lives. And every one of us will be recompensed to what we have done, for good or evil. There are rewards in life. And this principle of sowing and reaping is directly related to that truth. Another principle is that we reap what we sow. The fact that we reap what we sow is good news for those of us who try to do good things. I mean, I try, failed miserably. So have you. But it's a frightening thought for those currently involved in ungodly, anti-godly activities. I mean, you can think that they're listed time and again in the Bible. We can't sow crabgrass and reap pineapples or apples. We can't sow disobedience to God purposely. Of course we make mistakes. We ask God to forgive us. And when we ask God to forgive us, he does. And he buries that sin in the deepest. It's gone. It's just as though you've never sinned. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about habitually choosing a life path that ignores, rebels, or even mocks God. Number three, we reap more than we sow. The reason that farmers plant seeds is because they expect a harvest to be more than they sowed. So there's seeds left over for the next season of sowing. These are real basic principles, but they're lost on the Boy Scouts, and sadly, they're lost on many in America today. And the final principle that I'll leave with you, think about this, we reap later than we sow. A lot of times people are doing good, they're doing what they believe God wants them to do in their life, and they can't quite see, they can't see the result of it. And they say, Lord, what am I doing? You're not doing anything wrong, perhaps, probably. It just takes time. You plant good seeds long enough, you get a good harvest. That's God's principle. And you've got to keep, don't, that's why Paul added, don't grow weary in well-doing. Continue to do what you say, what what you're doing. If you know you're you're serving the Lord with an open heart and the, to the best of your ability. Paul said, let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. To those of you who are going through difficult times, don't lose heart. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't become like the Boy Scouts and try to chase all of these cultural nonsense things. Trust the Lord, be faithful, and don't grow weary. Thanks for being with me today. Always a pleasure. 
Our address is Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399, Bellevue, Washington, 98009. We need your support. We'll see you tomorrow.